Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, this is Vivian Campbell. You're listening to Talking Metal. Mark Striegel. John Astronomy. The Talking Metal Podcast. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly. And now, your hosts, Mark and John. Hey, it's Mark Striegel. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. I am hanging out in Midtown Manhattan at a bar with a beer in front of me, which can only mean one thing. John Astronomy is back on the show. How are you, John? I'm doing good, Mark. How are you? I'm having a Sam Adams seasonal Oktoberfest, and I think you're having a harp. Is that correct? That's right, John, a harp, Al. And uh, we are hanging here, and we are psyched because we have back on the podcast for a second time the one, the only, Viv Campbell, Vivian Campbell from Dio fame, from Def Leppard fame. He's got a great new record out with his band Last in Line called Heavy Crown. I think it's a, an amazing record, one of my favorites of the year so far, so definitely check that out. Uh, so we're going to talk to Vivian momentarily, but before we do that, let's check out a band called Void Vader, and this is called Time Has Come.
That was Time Has Come by Void Vader, featuring our good friend Eric Kluber. Yeah, long history with Eric. White Wizard, uh, Overloaded, um, and Gypsy Hawk. So many bands, so many bands. Uh, and Eric is still rocking. And I got to tell you, I think that song right there is one of the strongest I've heard from him in his entire career. That says a lot because he's really had some great stuff through the uh, through the years and has always been a friend of the, the podcast and friend of Talking Metal. And I even took a guitar lesson from him once or twice, I think, yeah, on Skype. Yeah, I remember hanging out with him down, I think it was at the Gramercy Theater, right? I was just walking by there the other day, but great, great place, and we had a blast hanging with him. And it's always cool to have his music featured on Talking Metal. Yeah, absolutely. Great player. And uh, Gramercy, I think I'm going there in December to see Queensryche and Armored Saint. John, if you want to come down, it should be a fun night. Oh, that sounds excellent. I'd love to do that. Yeah, I think December 3rd in New York City. We'll check it out. Anyways, without further ado, again, the one and only Vivian Campbell, a guy I consider a legend. First time I discovered Vivian uh, was uh, on a show, a TV show. I saw him on a TV show. It was late at night. And I think you and I have spoken about this before, John. It was called Rock Palace. Remember that? I love Rock Palace. I remember Dio being on Rock Palace. I remember Rat being on Rock Palace. A band called Heaven on Rock Palace. A lot of cool stuff. Alcatraz was on there, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, oh, oh, Sabbath with Gillen singing was, was on there. And so anyways, I, I, as a the dorky fanboy that I am, I, I ask Vivian about if he remembers playing on Rock Palace during, during this interview. And uh, you'll have to listen to what he says because it's pretty cool. And uh, a lot of great stuff in this interview. Dio stories. We talk about the, the current Last in Line lineup. And, of course, we, we spend a lot of time talking about Jimmy Bain. Yeah, such a tragic situation with that. And that was right after I was coming off of that Ace cruise, which was the Rock Legends cruise, and right when uh, Jimmy Bain passed away on the Def Leppard cruise. Uh, I remember that. So without further ado, let's get into this. This is Star Maker by the band Last in Line featuring Vivian Campbell or Viv Campbell. I'm not sure which he prefers. Anyways, this is Star Maker by Last in Line off the Heavy Crown record, a great record. If you don't have it, go get it. It'll be followed by my interview with Vivian Campbell here on Talking Metal.
What you just heard was Star Maker by Last in Line and calling in on the line, Viv Campbell. How are you, Viv? Tremendously well, thank you. Thank you very much. And a tremendous record from you guys earlier this year. Heavy Crown is the record, and you're finally going to be getting out on the road with Last in Line for what I'd call your first real tour, correct? Yes. Um, well, I'm glad you like it, first of all, Mark. Um, yeah. We... Uh, we actually were really pleased with how the record turned out. You know, it, it was it was a really easy record to make. The songs came together super fast um, with Jimmy and Vinny and I handling the bulk of the music and then uh, sending the tracks on to Andrew for him to come up with the lyrics and the melody. So we, we kind of approached the writing of the record very much the way that we had uh, approached Holy Diver back in the early 80s with Ronnie. And um, so we're, we're super pleased with the results. Um, and... You know, I'm sure a lot of your your listeners know that um, unfortunately we lost Jimmy early in the year, Absolutely. literally a month before a month before the album was released, and and that was a big big blow, obviously to all of us. Um, you know, Jimmy was really invested in this band and in the record, and he's very very much a part of it. And we actually had a, a very comprehensive tour booked and ready to go immediately following the release of the album in February. Um, we cancelled the tour. Mm. Uh, obviously and uh, we ended up just doing a couple of select shows later uh, in the spring um, one for a record company in Milan, Italy uh, at the end of April and then we played the Rocklahoma Festival at the end of May um, so yeah we haven't really had a chance to tour behind this record yet um, I wish this was a more comprehensive tour that we're doing um, we are concentrating mostly in Europe for this our, our record company is uh, as I said before Italian based so uh, they tend to pull most of their resources there um, I know we've had a lot of requests to play in the Midwest and on the East Coast and the South and whatnot. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to do that yet this year. It is our intention and our hope to do that um, as soon as we can. Uh, at this stage, it is going to be in 2017, however, because um, we know there's a lot of people really want to really want to see this band and, and hear this music, and we certainly want to take it to as many people as possible. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah. And uh, like I say, we're just super thrilled with uh, how the record's being received. The the record is great, and let's let's talk about the record, and we'll also talk a little bit more about the tour and the lineup. And I, I want to talk to you about Jimmy, of course. But uh, the record, um, you know, has a modern sound, but yet at times it has kind of that that classic sound, almost that holy diver last in line sound i mean there's certain songs or riffs i should say at times i i I have to wonder could this have been left over from from the dio days something you worked on back in those days or is it all new stuff no it was all new stuff there there was nothing that was regurgitated as such you know i think it just reflects kind of the style that that you get when when Zanny and Jimmy and myself would go in and start jamming. Right. You know, that was the sound of the early deal records and the original deal band, and that's just the sound that we make. Um, when I first started playing with these guys again in 2011, it was just for a jam. I just wanted to play guitar again. Um, you know, I'd uh, come off a few uh, as a, a stunt guitar player for Thin Lizzy, yeah, uh, who was such, a, uh, such an influential band for me uh, as a teenager when I was really developing my... my the guitar player and I came off of that tour just so inspired again and wanting to play guitar um, that I, I called Jimmy and Vinny and we just went into a rehearsal room and just started playing just for fun and at that stage it, in, in 2011 it had been 27 years since we played together and I, I swear as soon as we started playing the chemistry was was instant it was just like it was 27 years before and um so then when you know a few years passed and we went out and did some shows playing the songs from the, the first three do albums and then we got offered the chance to make a record of our own through frontiers records and um that's when we went in and started writing and and like i said we just it was effortless you know i just have a riff idea or jimmy would have an idea or even if no one had an idea. Oftentimes, just Vinny would just lay down some monster drum groove, and I've always found it very, very inspiring when Vinny plays stuff. I immediately find something to play on top of it, you know. So we just—it is—it's—it's it's the sound that we made, and and um, it, it wasn't a calculated thing. It's not like we went into it saying, "Let's make a record that sounds like Last in Line or or Sacred Heart or the Holy Diver record." But but we did very much want to approach it with the same ethos that that we had approached the holy diver album with ronnie back in 1982 uh, and that was just to literally go into a room and jam ideas and, and take it from there you know it's not like somebody in the band came in with a whole song 
and said, here, I got an idea, you know? Yeah. It's, it all just starts from a germ of an idea. That's always been the way that we, we worked, and that's always how we got our best songs back in the day. Now, the tour will start in California on October 22nd and run through all the way to December 3rd, ending in Belfast. Um, what, what can we expect set list-wise? Are we looking at kind of a 50-50 split, maybe between heavy crown songs and classic Dio stuff? Well, you know, it, yeah, it depends on how long we have to play. A lot of these shows um, in Europe, we're playing with Saxon, so they're, we're not the headline act, we're the, the middle act on a three-band bill. Okay. Um, the other shows that we're doing in the UK are all our own shows um, within Glorious. So <clears throat> I'm not entirely sure yet what length of time we'll have to play on a show, but that'll obviously determine what the set will be. Um, uh, let me put it this way. The last time that we played at, at Rocklahoma and at the Frontier Festival back in, in spring, we were playing quite a few songs from both Holy Diver and, and Last of Mine album, and we were, I think we were playing four off of the, our new Heavy Crime record. Cool. Um, I did actually just talk to Vinny earlier this evening, and um, we probably will, uh, when we get into rehearsal, add a fifth song from the new album we just don't know which one it will be yet and then you know we'll, we'll kind of put it in and out of the show depending on on the circumstances um but it, they, i'm happy to say that the new songs do fit in seamlessly you know it, it's as you noted uh, in your previous question you know there's there's a lot of, of similarities you know in the in the, the overall sound you know it's it, it fits right at home with us playing the uh, the classic video stuff Absolutely. Now, uh, you you mentioned Jimmy Bain and and Vinny, of course. Uh, you guys got back together after 27 years of not playing together. H had you been in touch in that time, or were you not really in touch in that time? Yes and no. I mean, it, we didn't see each other very often. We always kind of liked each other. We always got along. But I, I didn't see Jimmy or Vinny too often. I'd run into them you know, every two, three, four years at some event around L.A. We've all continue to live in the Los Angeles area for all these years, so we would occasionally run into each other. Um, but there, there, there was always a kinship between us, you know. There's there's an easygoing connection with that Jimmy and Vinny and I always had, you right. know. And I'm happy to say that it's endured after all these decades. That's great, definitely. And, and Jimmy, uh, of course, as we mentioned earlier, tragically passed before the record came out was i'm sure he was probably able to have heard all the final mixes and stuff though before he before he passed right yes we actually played a show with jimmy um i want to say it was two or three days before his his passing right um you know we were actually on a, on a cruise ship when jimmy passed away we're on the Def leopard cruise and last yeah. of mine was scheduled to play uh the next night um but we had done a show um the night before the ship left, I, I want to say it was January 20th or 21st. I can't honestly remember which, but it was at a, at a casino in Miami and it was Jimmy's last show. And, and he was, he was very, very weak. And, and looking back at video footage of it now, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it was really sad to see. I mean, we knew he was ill, but Jimmy, Jimmy wanted to do the, the, the cruise and those shows. Um, he was suffering from pneumonia at the time. Uh, it turned out that the pneumonia was just a byproduct of the fact that he had lung cancer and, and Jimmy wasn't even diagnosed with it, or at least not that we were aware. Um, yeah. If Jimmy did know that he had cancer, he didn't share it with any of us. Uh, and that that would have been very typical of Jimmy, too. You know, he was just, um, he was a soldier to the end. You know, he died with his boots on, you know, doing what he loved. Yeah, and as you mentioned, he was invested in it. I think you've said in other interviews he was very proud of the record and, he should be a great. Well, 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 he was. Yeah, I mean, you know, I got really upset when when Jimmy passed, and a lot of people instantly assumed that it was to do with his checkered past. You know, Jimmy did have a past of, of substance abuse that was pretty well known about, um, but that wasn't the case. That wasn't what killed him. Um, right. Jimmy, the last couple of years of Jimmy's life, he was stone cold sober, and he had finally overcome those demons and in a way being in this band and writing and recording the heavy crown album for this band really was what kept Jimmy's focus on being sober. He really invested everything he had into this record and into this band, you know, and I, I could see, I could see the struggles because I used to go and pick him up. He was at a halfway house, a rehab house oh, wow. when we were writing and I, I'd have to pick him up. He couldn't get out until after four o'clock and he had to be back by 10 p.m. So, and this was in Hollywood, California, and I'd, 
I'd swing by at 4.15 and pick Jimmy up. You know, wow. We'd go to rehearsal, we'd write some songs, and I'd bring him back for 9.45. Wow. And it was the most bizarre thing, but, but it was the one thing that was keeping Jimmy together during all this was, was the creative aspect of making this record. And yeah. he, was, he was an immense part of this, this album. And, um, you know, it, it, it's not going to be the same without him. You know, and it took us a while to to actually come to terms with the fact that that he would have wanted us to get out there and represent this record. Absolutely. And um, you know, we were very fortunate that we were able to do so uh, once we connected with Phil Suzanne. I can't think of anyone else who who could be more appropriate to to fill the role of Jimmy Ben on on playing these songs. You know, Phil back in the Dio days when when Jimmy and Vinny and I were playing with Ronnie, um, Phil Suzanne was uh, the one of Ozzy's principal songwriters and, and right. the, the rock, the bass player in his band, and um, his style is very, very, very similar to Jimmy's. So it's uh, we're very fortunate that that Phil was available and interested to um, come and, and, and play with us. So it, it's uh, like I said, but it's never going to be the same. I, I'm a firm believer in, in the absolute authentic individuality of each and every one of us you know no two people ever play guitar the same no two people drum the same or sing the same you can't replace musicians you know you you do lose something when you take one of the people out of the equation right. um and it's, it's never going to be quite the same without jimmy but but phil is as good as we're going to get in in terms of of filling in that style um and, you know, the band, we, we've discussed this, and we do want to continue. We want to make another record. We're very buoyed by the, the response that the Heavy Crown album has gotten, and um, we're enthusiastic about making another record in 2017. Cool. Now, we've yet to go into a room and actually write with Phil, you know, so we'll see how that goes. It is going to be a very different dynamic, you know, because like I said earlier, that when Jimmy and Vinny and I just started playing, we would always come up with something. But, you know, it'll, it'll be different, but hopefully it'll be uh, different in a good way. Yeah, and and he, Phil seems like somebody that the fan base too will definitely accept and and respect. Well, absolutely, respect is a good word. I mean, he's he's definitely paid his dues. I mean, he's he's a well-known and seasoned professional. You know, he's he's a very very talented writer and, and musician and singer, and and you know, it's great to have him be part of this. Yeah, absolutely. Now, going way way back, do you remember the first time you walked into a room and and jammed with Jimmy and, and Vinny and Ronnie? I do. It was in September 1982 in um, a rehearsal studio called John Henry's in North London. And um, literally the night before, it was Jimmy who had actually called me. Wow. Um, and he got my phone number because um, my father was also called Vivian, and he was the only Vivian Campbell in the phone book in Northern Ireland. So. Wow. So it was literally two o'clock or something in the morning. Jimmy called and woke up my father, and and um, so my father finally deciphered after a while that that it wasn't uh, the phone call wasn't for him. And I, I just remember him coming around and waking me up, like I said, two two thirty in the morning, and said, "There's a drunken Scotsman on the phone for you." <laughs> so, so I went around. And I, I went downstairs and I took the call, and and Jimmy was in a hotel room with Vinny and Ronnie, and they'd been up drinking and smoking pot and doing right. whatever, and. And, um, you know, Jimmy had seen me play with my first band, Sweet Savage, uh, sure. a few months previous to this. Uh, he, Jimmy was on a band with, called Wild Horses with uh, ex Thin Lizzy guitarist, Brian Robertson, and, and my band, Sweet Savage, had opened for them. And, and um, Jimmy obviously liked the way I played and then remembered me. And then, strangely enough, I just looked up Vivian Campbell in the phone book and found my father. So it, it was quite a weird coincidence. And then uh, I didn't have the money to fly to, to London to audition. Um, but my father, God bless him, I mean, despite being woken in the middle of the night, yeah. um, actually bought me a plane ticket the next day to fly me over there. So I, I flew over with my last ball, rented a Marshall head, and um, we, we started jamming. Now, Ronnie had written two two songs at this stage. He had, he had written Holy Diver, okay, and uh, he had started to, to write Don't Talk to Strangers. He had the initial idea for it. The song wasn't finished, but um, those were the only ideas that Ronnie had at the time and the rest of the, the music came together uh, the following month when we all flew to LA and started writing um, but I, I remember that when we first played Ronnie um, picked up the bass and showed the you know dun, 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 right. the idea for the song and, and we just started playing and, and right there and then it was the sound 
of the original deal band. I mean, like I said before, there's a chemistry that, that musicians have. There's a, a fingerprint that we all have that's unique to us. And, and sometimes when when you find the right people to to play with, it, it makes a very unique and and uh, very special sound. And, and as soon as we started playing that song, we all got excited we all got response and ronnie stepped up and started singing and we just jammed and jammed and jammed and i remember when the guitar solo section came along um ronnie just had me play and play and play over and over and over again i was playing for about 10 minutes wow. <laughs> and like every guitar player I, I well here's the thing let me just backtrack a little bit i i still have the cassette tape of this somewhere in a box in storage but i remember a year or two after the fact listening to this cassette with ronnie and I was just going through all the guitar player licks, all the whittly whittly parts. Like, you know, every guitar player's got their flash licks that they want to play first. And I, I basically run out of ideas. And I started playing very basic old school double stop Chuck Berry riffs, right. licks, whatever. And, and I remember listening to the tape a year or two after with Ronnie. And that's what he pointed excitedly at the cassette tape and said, There, he said, That's it. He said, When you started playing that kind of stuff, that's when I knew you were the guitar player for me. And nice. basically that's when I'd run out of ideas, you know, yes. and I'd reverted to the most basic fundamental, but I, I could see what he was saying, you know, because it was, it was from the gut, you know, it wasn't technical as such. It was just, okay, I'm here. I just got to come up with something and I, I just kind of played and it, it flowed. So, um, I got to find that cassette. Cause yeah. I thought that was quite funny at the time. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and, you know, there's always been some kind of gray area whether Ronnie was actually finished with Sabbath at that point. Was he still kind of in Black Sabbath when this audition and, and no, jam? No, no, he was no, done. Not as far as I was concerned. I mean, if he was, <laughs> he certainly didn't portray any of that to, to any of us. Right. You know, um, right. he, what he said to us that night was that he he had. While he was in Sabbath, he had been offered a solo record deal, so he had an existing contract um, to do a record, but um, he had decided, well, for whatever reason, he had quit Sabbath, and Vinny had quit with him, and this, this band was going to be a project band, and um, he was done with Sabbath. I mean, that was certainly my understanding, and then the whole thing was right there and then on that night that he said it was his record deal, and that we would all right for this record and if things were successful that that three albums down the road um yeah he would make it an equity situation and, and that and in, indeed is what ultimately came to to my being fired from the band because yeah. they called him out on that by yeah. the time we'd done the third album you know and, and it's a shame things didn't work out because it, it was such a very very special band you know yeah. and it took, it took me many many years to, to realize that because um the way that I was was fired from that band, and I invested so much of my heart and soul in, into making those three records um, to be treated like an employee and then dumped unceremoniously. I mean, it left such a bad taste in my mouth that I, I couldn't even listen to the records. I didn't own the albums. I didn't listen to it. If it came on the radio, I turned it off. I just wanted nothing to do with it for so many, many years, you know? And then yeah. circumstances change, you know? And um, I, I look at it with a, with a very different set of eyes now. You know, I, I look at it as much as my heritage as it was Vinny's and Jimmy's and Ronnie's, you know, yeah. we all gave a hundred percent to those early records. You know, it was Ronnie's name on the, on the cover, but you know, it was all of us who invested in it. And, um, yeah. so it, it's, it's very cathartic in a way to come full circle and, and to reclaim that heritage, you know? And I'm not just saying this to kiss your ass either, but you know, when I was a fan, I was a teenager back in those days, uh, you know, in, in ninth grade in high school. And we knew as the fans, we knew all you guys, we knew Ronnie, but we knew, we knew Viv, we knew Jimmy, we knew Claude, we knew, you know, uh, who am I missing? Uh, you, you, Vinny, Jimmy, Claude, and Ronnie, we knew all you guys. So it was, it was, uh, definitely viewed as a band. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it was a band. I mean, and Ronnie presented it as a band in right. so much as we took band photographs together, but it was named Deal. I mean, he made it very clear to us, and it made perfect sense. I mean, Ronnie was the famous guy. Nobody knew who the hell Vivian Campbell was, and, and people barely knew who Vinny Abbasi or Jimmy Bean were. It made absolute sense that, that we go with Ronnie's name recognition. Right. Um, un unfortunately, you know, I, I, the, the truth of what really happened is that... that um, 
Ronnie's ex-wife, Wendy, was, was the manager mm-hmm. of the project. And, and Ronnie never really, with benefit of hindsight, I see it clear as day now, Ronnie never really told Wendy what he told us. He yeah. told us one thing, and, and, and his understanding with Wendy was clearly different. Wendy wanted Ronnie to be a solo artist like Ozzy Osbourne was. Ronnie wanted it to be a band because he knew the benefits yeah, sure. in a creative sense of, of being in a band. And, and unfortunately, he never really rectified that or, or reconciled that, sorry, with, with his ex-wife. And she was a manager, and, um, you know, things didn't pan out. And, and it, it's sad, you know, because it, it really was a very, very special creative unit. We made some great records together. Absolutely, definitely. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's great that you now, after having a bitter taste in your mouth about the whole thing, are able to look back on, on it with fond memories and claim it as part of your your heritage, like you said. What 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 stands out as some of your favorite memories of playing in that band? Are there specific concerts, specific recording sessions, things that maybe jump out as, as there, really there were, there were many... Yeah, there were many great moments. I mean, writing, like when we were in the rehearsal room and things would suddenly start to come together and you just know that you had a, a great song in your hand. Like like the, the title track to the Last in Line album is, is one instance of that. Um, you know, we'd been writing and we had a couple of songs ready for the record, but we didn't have a centerpiece song. You know, we didn't have that epic big song that, that every album needs to have and um i i had come up with a little intro part for it and and the main riff that's all i had and, and yeah. I, I started playing it um and i honestly didn't think that ronnie would like it but he really liked the idea of, of the quiet little intro um and then i said okay well i got this idea after that we got a dan so we started playing that and then jimmy came up with the the part for the verse da 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 right uh and the changes through the verse through the bridge and the chorus and um, Jenny came up with the backbeat. And it, all this happened like in the space of about 30 minutes. And Ronnie always had a few books around full of lyrics. And he was always very, very quick about coming up with a melody and a lyric. And, and so by the time that evening was over, we had the title track. We, what we knew was going to be the title track to the album. And that, that song coming together like that enabled us to book the studio. And, and we ended up writing the rest of the album out of Caribou Ranch Studios in Colorado. We we went in to start recording the album without having it written, but we knew oh. that we had the key song and that enabled us to do it. Um, and, you know, as far as live performances, there were many, many great shows because we went out and we did a lot of legwork in the early days. You know, we went, um, we played a lot of cities across North America and Canada, uh, pretty extensively, most uh, of Europe and Scandinavia, UK. We played a lot of small theaters, which... Personally, I love playing. I mean, they're my favorite kind of venues. You know, they're not too big, they're not too small. Right. Um, but we had such great shows. You know, it, it was <laughs> we had a few rough ones too. You know, but um, there's there's so many fond memories of, of, of great shows back then. Before the band became too derailed, I, I would say that by doing the Secret Heart album and yeah. I mean, we'd kind of lost the plot. Right. The vibe was definitely not the same, but but. Um, Holy Diver record was was brilliant. Uh, the Last in Line album, the most part, was great. You know, things cool. has a way of changing things, and then you know we started getting really successful in the Last in Line. Vivian, you're you're cutting out just a little bit. Can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you fine. Sorry, okay. I, I haven't moved. I'm not sure I have great cell signal where I am. But, okay. but a, a couple more questions, and then we'll let you go. Um, okay. Vivian, I just a, a quick fanboy question for you. The first time I ever saw Dio was on TV on a show called Rock Palace. Any memories of playing that show? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I remember uh, that was at the um, the what used to be called the Avalon Theater across the street from Capitol Records in Hollywood. Wow. Uh, and that was one of the very, very first things we ever did. That was right after we'd come out of the studio from recording the Holy Diver record. And, and the band was just absolutely on fire. It's such mean, a great smoking. performance. Yeah. It, it really was. I mean, that, that's an absolute live performance. You know, there's no, nothing's corrected about that. It was just, that's, that really captures us at our best, you yeah. know. Um, and I, I remember, yeah, because 
I remember there was a guitar store around the corner and I had to go buy some strings. <laughs> you know, I was, I was kind of my own roadie at that time, you know? Right. Um, cause I think it was early days and, uh, we hadn't really gone on tour yet. And we just finished making the record and it was great. It was a fantastic performance. Yeah, it was absolutely. And it sold me on you guys. And that was again, the first time I, I heard of, of, the Dio band with you guys, uh, awesome performance. Uh, real quick, uh, Def Leppard, you guys had a new record out less than a year ago, a massive tour. What's uh, currently going on with Def Leppard? Are you guys taking a little break, I guess, obviously at the moment? Um, well, no, I'm actually in Phoenix right now. We're, I'm on stage in a couple hours. Oh, are you? Um, okay. we are, we're just the end of the third leg, third and final leg of, of this summer tour. We'll be done uh, by October 10th, right before I start up with Last in Line. Um, so the, the Leopard Tour, you know, it's been very, very successful. We're out with uh, Ario Speedwagon and Tesla, and uh, we started this run of shows uh, probably in late June. And like I said, we wrap October 10th, and then by October 22nd, I'll be wow. on stage with Last in Line. So I'm keeping busy. <laughs> nice. And health-wise, I, I know it's kind of a personal thing, but everything going all right with you? Yeah, you know, it just... Uh, of these things it's one step forward two steps back I, I, I'm not concerned about my health you know I never really have been to be honest um, maybe it's, that's the wrong approach I don't know but it, it kind of works for me I, I don't yeah. put a lot of thought in it you know it's it's maintenance you know I, I'm, the, the treatment that I'm doing right now I have to receive every month or so and um, for the most part it, it seems to be to be working you know it, it's holding the cancer at bay at least and it's very benign in terms of side effects. Um, certainly nowhere near as harsh as the chemo I did a couple of years ago. Um, but, you know, I, I've done three rounds of chemo and a stem cell transplant, and the cancer kept coming back, and now I'm doing this immunotherapy part of an FDA clinical trial. And like I say, it's it's working for me for now, and I can do this at least until next summer, okay. and then I'll have to reassess, and I might have to do radiation or something else. But I, I try not to think about it too much. It's like... It, it's maintenance, like going to the dentist, you know. Um, right. I feel very fortunate that, that I'm at least able to continue my work while I'm doing all this. You know, a lot of people suggested to me when I first got a cancer diagnosis that I sit at home and look after myself, and I couldn't imagine anything worse, to be honest. I mean, I, I'd say more than anything else, having cancer really lit a fire under my ass, if you like. I mean, it's sure. really reinvigorated my passion for life and for my work. Um, which is a big reason why I started uh, pushing with the Last in Line band. I mean, I, nothing gives me more joy than to go out there and to beat the shit out of my last call, you know, yeah. to really get aggressive with it again. You know, I, I don't have to play very aggressively with Def Leppard. The challenge in Def Leppard is more about the vocal, right. you know, but when I, when I go on stage with the Last in Line, I don't sing. I just play guitar and I play, I play a lot of guitar nice. and, and it feels good, you know. And again, the tour starting up on October 22nd in California. A lot of European stuff going on. You're you're ending the tour December 3rd in Belfast, and a lot of these dates over in Europe will be with Saxon. Did you ever play with them back in the day with Dio or Sweet Savage? No, no, no. no I've never never played with Saxon at all. Um, and I just like to reiterate to to anyone who's listening to this: we we definitely want to play more in the U.S. It's very difficult in terms of aligning everyone's schedule and, and it's even more difficult in terms of the economics right. to make it work sure. you know but we I, I know that there's a lot of people who, who would love to come and see this panel we'd certainly love to play on the east coast and the midwest and the south and you know take it to as many places as possible we'll certainly try and do that in in the new year Good. As, as schedule and resources permit you know yeah, we'd love to have you in New York or New Jersey, where, where we're located here. That would be great. But, um, yeah, thanks so much, Vivian, for talking with us, and we wish you the best of luck with everything. And, again, I'm a big fan of the Heavy Crown record. Great stuff, and uh, good luck. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Nice talking to you. Good talking with you again. Have a good Thank show you. tonight. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.
That was The Last in Line by Dio, of course, featuring our guest tonight, Vivian Campbell. And it was very cool to hear him talk about that song in the interview. Yeah, amazing stories by by Vivian Campbell. Uh, You know, I had 20 minutes with him. I think we went closer to 30, uh, which I always feel bad when I hold somebody over their time. But he kept talking. I think he was enjoying it. And honestly, I could have kept going for probably another hour. I mean, I have so many... Vivian questions and think his career is so great and those first two Dio records have always been so near and dear to my heart and Sacred Heart too, the third record I always loved that had a lot of great songs on it the king of rock and roll uh, rock and roll children remember that one yeah definitely you know what I always remember those those music videos because that was right when I was getting MTV for the first time and just the, you remember the kid in the, in the last in line video? He kind of had long hair. And the elevator breaks. Yeah. yeah. And I, I always used to go, man, look, look how cool that kid is. He's got like long hair and, and, and he's in I wanted to be that kid. Yeah, I know. Me too. Me too. Yeah, we were probably about his age, maybe a, a little younger actually. But yeah, uh, great stuff. And, and thanks uh, to everyone who helped hook up the interview today, Lisa and Robert. Uh, big thanks to you guys. I appreciate that. And big thanks to Vivian for coming on Talking Metal. We wish him luck with the rest of the Def Leppard tour. And uh, great news that Last in Line is touring. Viv, we just need to get you to New Jersey and New York because John and I will be there at the show when you guys come through town. Having said that, we have, I I haven't even told John this, but as of today, breaking news, Talking Metal news, we have a Talking Metal hotline. That is out of control. I don't even know about it. Tell me and the Talking Metal listeners about the hotline. Well, when any Talking Metal listener calls 973-757-1917, again, that's 973-757-1917, you'll get our voicemail. And you can ask me and or John or, or what it, ask us anything you want or comment on something. Whatever you, whatever you tell us, I will play the message that I receive on the podcast and I will address your questions and comments. And uh, so will John if you're if you're on the show. So we'd uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. And um, it's cool. Like the 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 company, I paid a little probably too much than I should have for this voicemail system. But whenever somebody leaves me a message, it sends me an MP3 right to my email. Oh, that is out of control. That is so cool because then you can just put that MP3 right into whatever system you're using to put the podcast together. Yeah, so it'll be great. Um, and again, that number, 973-757-1917. One of you listeners out there could be the, the first one to call the hotline and leave a message and get your message played on Talking Metal. So do it now, and maybe next week we'll listen to the uh, the messages. Okay, so having said that, um, let's talk about the Rock Carnival. John, you will be there with Ace. Yeah, it's going to be a really amazing three days, I believe. Uh, I, I wish I was there to see Zach Sabbath, but I think that's the day before uh, that Ace is playing. But a lot of great bands. Four by Fate, of course, uh, featuring John Regan and Todd Ob, The Frailest Comet, Rob Afuso, uh, formerly of Skid Row. Uh, lots and lots of great bands are going to be at this thing. Twisted Sister is going to do maybe, if not their final, one of their final shows. I think it's their last area performance. Uh, when they booked it, it was their final show ever. But now they've revised that to their last area performance, whatever that means. I, I think they're doing a benefit somewhere, maybe even in New York City. So it might be the last Jersey area. <laughs> the last time they ever play the Jersey Shore area. <laughs> Above Atlantic City, below Asbury Park. The last time they ever play that area. I think it's their last official concert that it isn't a benefit in the area. Well, dude, I know you'll be working, but we're going to be partying. Mitch Lafon, who doesn't party, doesn't drink, is coming down from uh, from Canada. And um, Emily and I will be there on, on Saturday. I'll be there on Friday with Mitch, and then I'll be there with, on Saturday with Emily. We're going to be doing interviews. And if you can hook it up, we'd love to talk to one of the guys in Ace's band. Maybe we can do a, a backstage interview. Yeah, I, I'm sure I can work that out, and uh, maybe we can get, um, you know, uh, maybe Scott Coogan, Chris Wise, Richie Scarlett, uh, 
uh, maybe even Ace, but the, the thing is is that uh, we have such a hectic schedule. We're always traveling from like one city to the next, and it's crazy when you're on tour. And uh, thank God we, we haven't ever have any, uh, like knock on wood, flight problems or transportation problems. So uh, We've been lucky in that regard. Yeah, cool. By the way, we just had Bobby Blitz on the show. He says hi. Uh, he was on the last episode and spoke fondly of our turtle head jam. Good. I love that jam. I, I, that's one of my favorite things ever, and I'd love to recreate that someday. What? I, you know, we've been saying it, and I'll say it. They say not to say stuff before you actually do it, but I'm going to do that anyways. I, I want to do another YouTube Talking Metal Jam sessions, plural. And if you're down with that, after maybe this A stuff wraps up, I would love to start planning it. Yeah, I, I will be ready to do it um, literally in about three and a half weeks. When this A store is over, um, I'm ready to rock. I'm ready to do it. We can do it at Gibson. We can do it at somewhere else. We'll, we'll figure we can do it at Gibson. Yeah, I'm sure we can do it at Gibson. All right, cool. We should try that. That would be awesome to hook that up once again. And, uh, yeah, those, those jams are great. So many great Talking Metal jams. If you haven't seen them, go to our YouTube page. Yeah, yeah, we love them. And I was going to throw in something that had nothing to do with the jams but had to do with Gibson. Have you seen my new guitar that I just got? I did. Happy belated birthday, by the way. John just celebrated a birthday. I texted you. Sorry I didn't get you anything else. I got your text. Thank you, Mark. I think, Mark, you might have been one of the first people, to, if not the first person to text me. But I got a guitar. It doesn't... Um, Maybe we can post a photo or something. It, it, photos don't do it justice. You have to see this thing under light. Even if you're just looking at it like in straight daylight, it, it doesn't look as cool as it does under actual lights. But it, it's a uh, Les Paul Custom from the Gibson Custom Shop with three pickups, uh, of course, kind of uh, picture like the Black Beauty with three pickups, but instead of being black, it's a silver sparkle, and when you hold it under light, like, the, the sparkles are all different colors. It's crazy. It's, like, really, really cool. I saw a picture of it, and I, th I thought the picture looked great. But, yeah, I got to see it in person. Uh, maybe I'll swing by your place soon, and we'll do a, another Talking Metal episode at your house like, uh, like we used to back in the day. That would be fun. And uh, I guess that'll about wrap it up. Big thanks to Vivian Campbell. Uh, good seeing you, John, and looking forward to hanging out with you in one week at the Rock Carnival. Absolutely, Mark. And I want to invite all you listeners out to see Ace Freely on tour. Um, you can always ask for me uh, at the venues. Um, we're going to be starting out in New York. Uh, then we're going to Binghamton. Let me see if I can remember all the dates. New York, New York. Binghamton, New York. Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Beverly, Massachusetts. I know I'm going to forget some. Uh, and these are going to be out of order. Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, Lakewood, New Jersey, the Rock Carnival, uh, Lancaster, PA, Stroudsburg, PA, Greensburg, PA, one of my favorite theaters. Uh, my good friend Mike Elko uh, uh, is the uh, guy who makes that all happen out in Greensburg, PA. I note that because uh, I'm from that area, and uh, that's always my hometown show. Um, and then we're going to do Clifton Park, New York, and then end the tour in Terrytown, New York, which is what I consider like the, the ace area. You know, that's kind of his uh, old stomping grounds. Cool. And, yeah, that day Ace plays at the Rock Carnival is an insane day. Monster Magnet, Overkill, Zebra, Ace Frilly, Twisted Sister, um, and many more. So definitely... Definitely come down and check out the Rock Carnival. Uh, Ace plays on the Saturday night, but the carnival goes September 30th through October 2nd. A lot of great bands. And uh, I got to order dinner or something. I'm hungry. Uh, let's, uh, let's remind you guys to leave an iTunes review, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and uh, tell your friends about Talking Metal. You know, show your support. You could leave a PayPal donation and use our Amazon links, which are linked through TalkingMetal.com. Thanks so much, guys. Hey, can we end with an A song? Is that cool? We play a little sound sample of an A song. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's do it. Uh, how about, and I'm going to be selfish here, how about Give Me a Feeling? You got it. Give Me a Feeling, written by who? Say it. Say it. <laughs>
Don't be uh, modest. Okay, Ace Freely and John Ostrowski. Thank you, Bell, too. And I-